¡Ahí! ¡Es un pájaro! ¡No! ¡Es un avión! ¡Es Superman! ¡No! ¡Sí! ¡Es un avión! ¡Corra! Interrumpimos la programación para informarles que un avión se estrelló en el centro de la ciudad. Se especula que su piloto estaba leyendo, leyendo sus monitos. Al ser interrogado declaró, y lo haría de nuevo. Atención, este es un reporte especial del podcast de la revista Comicase. Lo prometido es deuda y eh, les vamos a compartir en esta ocasión el audio de la conferencia en la que Adam West, Bord Ward y Julie Newmar hablaron sobre el próximo lanzamiento en noviembre del DVD y los Blu-rays con la serie completita de Batman del año 1966. Esto se realizó en el Hotel Hilton al ladito del Centro de Convenciones de San Diego. Por ahí estuvo con mi casa reportando en primerísima fila para todos ustedes, esperamos que este audio que rescatamos de la conferencia pues sea de su agrado. As you know, we're going to be in town at uh, 6 o'clock tonight in Hall H. We also have uh, a, a call out to the commissioner, apparently, uh, of San Diego. Chief Shelley Zimmerman would like to have a word with our own Batman. Chief? Thank you very much. Batman, I need your help. I need your help, Batman. You've got it, dear. There are... Just, there po are, just point me. There are evil people out there and even more evil cities. Those evil cities are trying to take Comic-Con away from Gotham, oh away God. from San Diego. We can't let that happen, Batman. I need your help. Those evil cities, Las Vegas, evil. Anaheim, evil. Too hot. Los Angeles, so very evil. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, you're right. Batman, I don't have a bat signal. It is 2014, but I have something better. My official police chief commissioner coin. Take it, Batman. I'll call you. I'll signal you with the uh, coin right here. But if that doesn't work, I need your cell phone number. <laughs> Thank you, Batman. Together, I know we can do this. I know we can do it. Thank you, Batman. Yes, you're right, and I thank you, and I'm available. <laughs> Done. Thanks very much. Yes. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Gosh, I wish my hometown copper like that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to ask a couple of generic questions right off the top. It's been nearly 50 years since the series, and you guys finally have this coming out for home entertainment. What does that mean to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't see Anyone you. Anyone can leave, but Batman usually starts. Well, Gary, I couldn't see you. What did you ask? I, I was... How about this? You guys start. He's <laughs> got a question for this trio. Yes. Uh, Bert Ward, I have been reading your autobiography. Um, Whoa. And you're still He's willing still to come young. here. <laughs> are, you, are you okay? It's, you got hurt a lot. Can you watch those old episodes without feeling the pain of all those stunts that they made you do? Like, do you get pain in your leg when you watch, you know, some of those? Well, I have been suffering recently from a severe pain in the ass and a swollen ego. But uh, <laughs> other than that, no. You know, I enjoyed the show. It was really dangerous to make the show. I had no idea. I was a young kid. It was the first day of filming. I came in on the set, 
at seven, about seven o'clock in the morning, got in my costume and they said, Bert, the very first shot is going to be seen, it's going to become the opening of every show where the Batmobile comes out of the Batcave very fast, makes a left turn, the, the, the sign goes down and you drive off. I said, okay, great, and I got in my costume, which was, I'm telling you, it, you wouldn't want to be in a costume, not like that especially 14 hours a day, but I got in the Batmobile and I looked over and I was expecting to see Adam, but he wasn't there. Instead, there was another gentleman dressed as Batman and I said, well, who are you? He says, my name is Hubie. And I said, oh, well, why isn't Adam West here? He says, well, I'm a stuntman. This is a very dangerous stunt. That's why they're using me and not using Adam because they don't want him to get hurt. I said, oh, well, that, that's nice. I said, well, wait a minute, it, it, why is it so dangerous? We've got to come out at 55 miles an hour, we've got to make a sharp left turn, signs got to go down, everything's got to work perfectly, and you know, it is just a dangerous shot. So I thought about that, and then as they started to roll the camera, I said, uh, excuse me, wait a minute, I called over the assistant director, and I said, but, you know, I, I don't understand, but, what, what, you know, they got a stuntman for Adam, you know, but, and, but they don't have a stuntman for me. I said, don't I have a stuntman? He said, yes, you do. He's over having coffee with Adam West. I said, wait a minute. Why is it that he's not sitting here instead of me? He says, well, because it doesn't look like him. I said, well, wait a minute. Why did you hire somebody that would look like me that's a stuntman? He said, we couldn't find anybody. We couldn't find anybody. So you've got to do your own stunts. And that was the first of five out of the six days that I went to the emergency hospital. In this case, the car came out at 55 miles an hour. It made the sharp left turn, but unexpectedly, my door flew open. As my door flew open, the centrifugal force was throwing me out, and I reached over and I caught my little finger on the gear shift knob, which held me in the car, but pulled my finger out of the side. Knocked over the lights, the camera guys got knocked over, and they rushed over afterwards and they said, Bert, are you all right? I said, yes, except my hand, which had swollen up twice the size. And they said, look, we gotta get you to the hospital. I said, great, because I'm in a lot of pain. And we'll do that just as soon as we get to shot. <laughs> and that was like three hours later. So that was the first of my experiences, and uh, it was pretty wild like that. Very dangerous show to make. I want to add one thing. Near the end of the series, they uh, took out a life insurance policy on me. And I swear, by the last two episodes, I thought they were trying to collect. Hey, <laughs> what do you got? Uh, good afternoon. It's great to talk to all of you. Um, for Adam and Bert, uh, you got to work with, in addition to Miss Newmar, some fantastic, legendary, iconic actors and artists on the show. Liberace, Bruce Lee, Vincent Price, Milton Berle. Do you have any memories of working with them, and who was your favorite? Oh, we have so many memories. I mean, we had a, 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 a many great stars. And um, Julie, I have great memories of working with you. Goody. <laughs> we just let that lie there now. Me too. You want to say something, Julie, about working with me? <laughs> Drop dead gorgeous Adam okay. West. <laughs> He's got great lips. <laughs> well, look at the film. You'll see what I mean when he wears his mask. Oh, my goodness. And particularly in that soda-sipping scene with the straw when I fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. The writing helped, too, didn't it? <laughs> yes. You know, you could get away with so much in that costume. 
uh, Julie was a marvelous cat woman. She has the world's tallest legs. And, you know, there was a sexual tension that had to be created between Catwoman and Batman to make it, you know, really interesting uh, to the adults. We did the show on several levels, as you know, and that's, I think, much of the reason for the longevity. Now, are you all from different places or all in one family? <laughs> You're all pretty good writers, right? I think they're over 18, so you can say what you wanted to say in the first place. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. You can write any damn thing you want about us. We don't care. <laughs> At least to answer your question from my standpoint, um, one of what, the, what is that, Bert? One of, the, one of the people you mentioned was Bruce Lee. Before Batman started, it just was coincidental that I lived in the same complex that Bruce Lee lived in. And I was a black belt in karate, and he and I used to spar together. And when we did the scene on Batman, it was very important to the producers because the same executive producer, William Dozier, who produced Batman, was the one going to produce the Green Hornet. And that's why he brought Keo and you know Van Williams onto the show to promote the show, that new episode. So anyway, long story short, we they wanted us not to try to really fight. We were both supposed to be really good guys, but I did fight with Bruce you know, off camera, in, in, in real, and in fact, uh, I guess a piece of trivia is Bruce Lee's first cinematic fight scene of his career was fighting me. You know what I heard is that the Green Hornet and the Batman show, you had two fight scenes together, but, but Bruce Lee said, there's no way I'm going to lose. And he didn't win. <laughs> and so they, 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 they sent it to the writers and they, they said, well, it's going to be a standoff. Was that what really happened? Yeah, no, but, but in, in reality, I liked sparring with Bruce. He was a great athlete. I mean, you know, there are some people that talk a game, but this is a man that he trained eight hours a day. And, you know, for those of you that remember him, um, and his son Brandon, I remember when, when Brandon was six months old and Linda, his wife, and Bruce and I would go down to Chinatown and have authentic Chinese dinner in Los Angeles and because he was from Hong Kong, he knew everything to order. So it was really a great experience working with him. And he could knock a cigarette right out, a lit cigarette right out of your mouth without you knowing it. That's how we became such good friends with... I, I believe that's Bert's Rocky. Uh, <laughs> It's so professional. Bert, you could have had the Batman song. It's one of the dogs calling. Oh or, or at least a green morning. <laughs> so we've had uh, six incarnations, big screen incarnations of Batman. And they've gotten darker and darker in tone as the series have progressed. But yet the television series never went that way. There was something fun and exuberant about it. Can you talk in perspective about what you think made that show so unique? Because it was different than anything else on television at the time in regard to Can I say something? You know, this was a different time in history. Between the 1950s and the 1970s, there arose something called camp. Camp is really uh, an exaggeration. But thereafter, things got darker, drearier, more, more depressing, of course. You know, we had a bunch of wars there going on, but oh boy, did we enjoy those 60s, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think the 60s was a great period, and I think for our show, I mean, look, Warner Brothers has done a fantastic job with the Batman franchise. 
but they've appealed to different people. And you know, the theater market is different than the television market. You get a lot of young kids growing up. And, and our show, it was something for everybody. Adam and I played it very straight, so for kids it was the hero worship. You know of, of the characters, and then for the people who remembered the comic book, there was the nostalgia for the adults, and for the teenagers and the college kids, which at that time was almost an impossible audience to capture. The double meanings and the, all the innuendos that Adam and I did really caught, and, and that's what became why I think Batman was so successful because we appealed to everybody. And just real quick, I mean, so much has been made too of the film incarnations of the bat suits and the Robin outfits. What were they like back in the mid-60s? Were they comfortable for you? And what was the experience like of putting that spandex on? What do you want to know that for? Horrendous. I used to call my tights the python pants because they strangled me in bed. But, but and I know working with Adam, we'd be long hours in that bat cave. And of course, you know, my dear friend, I love him to death, but he looks cross-eyed in that mask. And if you've been under those hot lights for a long time, you're starting to melt, the slightest thing can make you start laughing. You just never stop laughing. But we, we got through it, and I'm sure Adam had some crazy things that I did that drove him nuts as well. I think uh, any actor who plays Batman or Robin or whatever, uh, you know, probably wants to complain about the costume and its restrictions in certain areas. Well, I hear you, that your dresser had to have a hair dryer in order to keep everything dry around the... I beg your pardon? <laughs> uh, this is well, the, this is the strangest thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, well, it's in the history books. <laughs> You're right, Julie. Tell the real the, story. Well, the cost, you know, actors complain about this. I just hope that I have the same 12-pack that Ben Affleck does. Well, my costume was very comfortable. It had a zipper down the back. It was painted on you. Licorice melted over me. Yes. <laughs> no, no, it was very comfortable. I have a question for all three of you. Um, who was your favorite villain, and what was your favorite episode? I, uh, for me, it was the first one, with Frank Gorshin as Riddler. And we, you know, we were setting the tone for the show, and uh, it worked. It really worked beautifully. And Frank was manic and wonderful as Riddler, and his, his moves. <clears throat> and to play opposite Frank was great for me, because I love that kind of on the edge, dangerous acting and improvisation and all these things you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Besides the you had Burgess Meredith, you also had Cesar Romero. I mean, all three of them were incredible, incredible character actors for the villains that they played. Uh, Burgess Meredith came uh, off of the alumni of Twilight Zone. How was it working with all three of them together? It was a terrific experience, wasn't it, Bert? I mean, with, with, with for example, um, with Burgess Meredith, I loved it because he was able to use that cigarette, cigarette holder, and we'd stand face to face, and he'd let the smoke drift up under my cowl. Very irritating. But you see, these things work for an actor. Use the costume, make it work for you, make anything all the little nuances, stuff off the wall, work for you. Wah, I think wah, that's right, Catwoman. Well, Bur Burgess said that this was the favorite role of his life. How many of yes. them did he do? 
with you. How many? I know. I lost count. Fred, are you there? <laughs> How many yeah. did uh, Burgess Meredith? Burgess four or five, maybe. <clears throat> there were over a hundred shows, right? One hundred and twenty, and I oh, think they're oh. all in the new Blu-ray DVD <laughs> from Warner's Home Entertainment. <laughs> yes, coming up, we can finally release the date. Forty years I've been asked, and now I can say, here it is. All right, this isn't a free-for-all. There's no shout out questions. Are you ready? Hi, um, it's an honor to talk to all three of you. I can't see, so just had to pick that up. Um, but what was your reaction when you saw this series in Blu-ray, high definition? Haven't seen it yet. Trailer, phenomenal, like crystal. Yeah, our reaction uh, in seeing it, the question, uh, it, it just knocked me out of my socks. I thought, this is incredible. And truly it is. I mean, it's the way Batman should be seen with the new DVDs. It will amaze you. You will be fascinated, titillated, and maybe exonerated. I don't know. Come on, right back there. The question again. Oh, the question is, the what day does the Blu-ray come out? <laughs> Somebody's not paying attention. Uh, the question is, did, did you ever reach a point where you didn't want to be your character? Uh, yes. Um, uh, a few months after we stopped filming, uh, I thought, well, that's it for the career. I'm totally typecast. And, you know, you create a character that's memorable. I was lucky enough to do that. But you're typecast. And every time I, I went in to meet producers and people about doing a film, a wonderful film, then they would get together and say, oh, no, we can't let Batman go to bed with her. You know what I mean? The leading lady. But those dinosaurs in Hollywood are now gone. <laughs> And we go on. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> you just got out last of them. Uh, Matt. Uh, for Adam Burke, one of the most thrilling parts of the show for the audience was the weekly death traps. Uh, could you talk about your The most what? The weekly death traps. You'd like the <gasps> Oh, the cliffhangers? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the worst. The death traps. Oh, they were all death-defying terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, the scars. I have a shark bite on my leg still. <laughs> you know, it's amazing you mentioned that because it occurred to me. We got boiled in oil. Boiled in oil. We I, got. I put this big magnifying glass over you. We got fried. And, and, we had, and burnt. We were fried. We yeah, were grilled. That was good, yes. The but, tigers. The t oh, poor Bert, the tigers. Yeah, that actually was an incredibly dangerous. He was scene. very courageous. <laughs> very yeah, courageous. I, I don't know about courageous. Oh, yes, you were very brave. You had to walk the plank with tigers. No, yeah, no, no, yes, no, no, no. and I saw the guys throwing more raw meat, no, no, they raw actually, meat to yeah, the tigers. What happened was, on that shot, um, I was over three Bengal tigers, real. They weren't um, pet tigers. They were movie tigers where they were somewhat controllable but they were still wild. No, they and, weren't controllable. And, uh, and what happened was I was uh, about 14 feet above them. They, they 
I asked the trainers ahead of time what was their capability of jumping high, and they were able to jump 19 to 20 feet. What? I was hung over with my head over the end, my arms were tied at my side, Ooh. and just to give you an idea, 10 feet above me, okay, they're below me, 10 feet above me was the camera crew in a steel cage, <laughs> 10 feet above me. So you know that you look up there and you see them safe and you look down, and what happened was, is that during the scene, the tigers were just really <laughs> milling around. But the director in his cage, who was nice and safe, said to the trainers, can't you get them to do something? So in reality, they actually hung meat over my head to get them to jump up at my face. And they, and I mean, I pulled against the, the, the restraining straps, and after the shot, they said, Bert, that was so realistic. <laughs> well, sure, I was scared to death. That was Catwoman's first show. We're, we're actually going to show a split screen of that a little later on tonight at the panel. It's magnificent. The tigers are going to look good. Uh, all right. This have a question for Julie Newmark. Oh. What aspect about playing a villain did you enjoy the most? Uh, ooh. the sauciness, the sassiness of the character. Just, um, I just had so much fun with it. She's, it it's, it's like being a six-year-old, you know, hatching plots and schemes and deceptions. It's kind of a, I thought of it as a kind of black lace mentality, you see. <clears throat> Catwoman is to die under, of course, so um, oh, she could be your mother if, if she owned a, if your mother owned a skateboard, or Catwoman. Uh, she was a dominatrix of one's dreams, perhaps, or S and M, which would stand for safely wow. manipulated. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know all this. I, I never got that. Research, <laughs> research. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, don't Interesting. Uh, all right, that. Uh, Adam, uh, you've returned to uh, the, the role of Batman in the animated series. What has it been like for you to return to the world and not uh, Batman himself? Gary, could you help me out? It's I'm not sure what this you mean by that, but not be Batman himself? Uh, well, he's played uh, the great ghost in the animated series in the 90s. He was uh, Thomas Wayne in the uh, later Batman series. So he wants to know about the other times you've played in Batman roles but not been Batman, for Batman the Animated Series and things like that. Your life history. Well, these are really simple adjustments if you know what you're doing. <laughs> no big deal, that's what they pay me for. How about that? I write for a horror website. I wonder if anyone could remember a story about Vincent Price that you could tell us. About what? Vincent Price. Price. Yeah, I, oh, I, sure, I, sure. Uh, well, go ahead, Bert, please. Yeah, well, we had a, we had a scene, um, well, we had a lot of scenes during the Eggheads episode, but there was a scene I had actually talked about a little earlier where uh, Adam uh, as Batman and Vincent Price as, uh, you know, Egghead were having a confrontation and uh, Vincent Price had a chokehold uh, around my neck and the idea of the scene was that when they said roll camera, that he would take an egg and break it over my head, and then uh, you know, and then do a second egg and break it over my head, and then he and Adam would have Batman, you know, egghead dialogue. 
and for some reason, both of them kept screwing up their lines. Exactly. After, after about nine takes, I had egg going down my back into my underwear. I mean, it was so uncomfortable. So finally, when they got it right, I was originally supposed to just pick up an egg and throw it at, at, at Vincent Price, but I actually got a little upset, okay? So I picked up a dozen eggs and I smashed it on his head so hard that the egg tilted over a little bit. That's a true story. You can see it in the show. You'll see his egg tilted right at the end of that scene. But the whole crew started to throw eggs. Oh, that's true. We had great egg fights because Adam and I had planned this and just for the heck of it. You know, every once in a while when you're doing something and everything is so serious and like I was 21, 22, and 23 when I did Batman. The youngest person on the set besides me was Adam at 37 and everybody else was like 45, 50, 60 and then nothing against that but and they were the greatest uh, you know technical people you could ever have but the point of it was for, for me like a kid being on, on that set you know serious every day and do this and do that even though our show is funny it's serious work that you have to be on time you have to do this and you have to be in the right spot or get yelled at so the long and short of it is to have a little fun and boy we threw those eggs and, and you know, and we started throwing them at the crew, and then the crew realized that what we were doing, and they had tons of eggs. It became a huge egg fight. It was really, it was therapeutic. It really broke the tension. Yes, and the eggs. Uh, with uh, the license now being open to Louder. Oh, uh, how's it feel that all these new uh, classic Batman TV series, uh, like action figures? Mattel, Decca, and Hot Toys, how's it going to see all these new products and your faces on them and how realistic they are compared to the 60s product? I think it's totally fabulous except for the bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> that was embarrassing. <laughs> I, I love them. I must tell you something. The, the manufacturers who are putting out the products now have done such an incredible job. I have seen some of the, the with the skin textures of Adam and I in costume that honestly I've shown to people and they think are photographs. I mean you can zoom in, you can see the texture, you can see the, like the little cracks on the lips. I mean so photorealistic. So I wish, you know, like when I was a kid and you had toys to play with, they weren't very well realistic, but the stuff today is fantastic and I have to applaud Warner Brothers for finding the best manufacturers probably in the world to be able to do this kind of products. And I love my Batman Barbie doll. <laughs> you know, I just I could just dress and undress him all day. It's just ridiculous. Right here. Were there any mementos you kept from the show, any, any souvenirs? Well, when I left the lot many times, especially toward uh, the end of the show, um, some of the guys at the gate became my friends. And if I drove off with the trunk of my car slightly open, they would slip a little something in there occasionally. You Got have it. a lot of toys, batarangs well, and bat rackets and Yes, consequently, and I have a lot of stuff. Oh. Now, if you'd like to buy a cape... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have all of my original scripts, 120 with my own notes in them, and as part of the uh, DVD, I believe I will be reading one of my scripts a little bit, 
and showing some of the notes, just for fun. Far corner over there. Uh, Julie, you look absolutely amazing. So I'd like to know your secret for looking so young, and I know you had a big birthday recently, so what's the best part about being eight now? Oh. Well, you just get, something happens to you where you get younger and younger, but I was a ballet dancer. And so I was always sort of, had that kind of posture and that kind of movement, and it made it especially easy to play a cat-like character. It was simply second nature. That's, I think, it, it you know, when I was a little kid, I, I used to go to Griffith Park in Los Angeles, and I would ride on the carousel, and the carousels go backward, they don't go to the right, they go the wrong way. And I would ride around, and, and every once in a while I would catch the brass ring. And that's what happens in your life, I think, when the character, and, and you make a perfect fit, and it just seems to happily stay within people's minds Oh, they remember you as that character. So it has been a total blessing for me to have been in this series and play this character. I've been always very grateful for it. Right here in the black shirt. Thank you for the question. Uh, this question is for all of you. I'm just uh, wondering what the legacy of the, of the series itself. Is there anything that you took away that you're really proud of that you've done for the series itself? Took away? In what respect? Uh, with regard to any kind of legacy, that's something you're really proud of about the series. Uh, I got into Well, I think all of us are proud that we brought a lot of happiness to millions and millions of kids all across the world. That uh, I think that our shows had some very positive um, things for kids, even though it was funny for adults. There was scenes like, you know, I'd start to throw something down and Batman would say, oh, Robin, we can't litter or bucket your seatbelt or holy hygiene, Batman. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, there was a lot of good stuff in there and I feel good about it because we made so many, and I believe hundreds of millions of people happy and we gave them a positive outlook with a world that is becoming increasingly dangerous every single day, to have our show come out, especially now, is going to bring, I think, a, a wonderful breath of life and humor and fun and imagination and positive things for kids. So I'm really very proud of that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Bert. I'm all right back here in the book. Uh, thank you to all of you for all the happiness. Has it been sad for you on a personal level that the show has not been available on home video for all these years? It almost stands alone as the theater has wanted for so long. 11 11. I think in reruns, you know, Batman has been on in reruns. Yes, we have wanted the show to come out for a long time. That is probably the single most asked question. Mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, when is the show going to come out? And we honestly didn't know. And, but we're thrilled that it's coming out now. And, and, and in a way, it's actually wonderful that it comes out now because not only do they have all the adults that watched us as kids, but those adults have children. Grandchildren. And, those, and in some cases, grandchildren yeah. who watch us in reruns. 
So the actual audience for Batman, our show, is probably two or three times bigger than we had even when we were prime time. Very smart back. Yeah, I was in Tokyo and in the 60s. I live in Tokyo and in the 60s, the Batman TV show led to a huge boom in interest in Batman in Japan. And I'm wondering if you had any sense of it or now of the international interest in the show back in the day. Did you have a sense of the international interest in the show? Yes. Yes. When I walked into a hotel room in Hong Kong and I was speaking in Chinese, I suddenly got <laughs> an intimation that this thing was global. And uh, Batman is um, either number one or number two with Lucy in China, for example, and other places as well. Look, I feel that we are the luckiest actors in the world, and I'm sure they agree, that we had a chance to create characters with longevity, characters that people love as they grow up, mm -hmm. and as they get older, they, they have wonderful laughs with us. And like Bert said, I love to make people happy and, and, and bring laughter. You know, if you can't laugh at yourself and other people in situations, something's wrong. So let's all laugh at one another and ourselves and enjoy the new Batman Blu-ray DVD coming out November 11th. Wow, he's out. This series has just, it's been one that has spanned generations. What about, what do you think about the show that has made it stick, not just with audiences from the 60s, but audiences today? Well, I'm just hoping that I continue to span generations. <laughs> Good writing. You know, wonderful writing and great producing. That's, that's it. Sure. They spend a lot of money on this show. It costs quite a lot to produce. And they spent a lot of money on, ma on making the, uh, uh, the very first show. A, a great deal went into it. And it was, it was quite an experiment. What were you about to say? I, I was going to say, you know, it's funny. When something works, it really works. You know, I mean, people try so hard in this industry to make things that people enjoy and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But in the case of what we did, what we did, I believe, that was so different than every other show in history was that for the very first time, we actually put on the audience. In other words, instead of like a police show where it's always so serious or a medical show and it's always about health and stuff, here we were playing bigger than life characters, which of course kids love things that are bigger than life, but we played it seriously and, and we, we, we taunted the, uh, the adult audiences with our innuendos and everybody came away with something that they felt was special to them, very special to them, like, oh, I see what's really going on, and yet the kids loved it, and it was bigger than life, and I think that's what really entertainment is is to be able to go and see something, especially in your own living room, that is something that you know you couldn't do, but you could vicariously experience it through the actors that's bigger than life. Down here. Hi, three of you are such phenomenal comedians. Was there ever a guest star on the show that didn't get the type of comedy you were going for? 
<laughs> you know, you know. Mm, yeah, uh, Joan Collins, um, Tulula Bankhead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite a few. It was uh, Tulula's uh, last show. It was her very last show in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. But the, the secret of it was was playing it very straight. It was, as a matter of fact, the the comments of the, the head producer was straight, straight, straight. Do not play it for laughs. And the straighter you play it, the, you know, the harder you fall, the more silly you really are, the more ridiculous it really is. And, and that's the secret. You've got to be absolutely serious. Well, you have to know when it's funny, and you have to be funny. You have to think funny. And you have to have comedy timing. It's yeah, a, yeah. essential. Mm. Um, but you know, you, you do. do you can't. You can't wink at the camera. You no. can't let anyone think that you think you're funny. You just have to appreciate the material and play it funny. You know, if Batman sees Jill St. John being burned to a crisp in the the, the bat, you know, whatever the thing was, and he looks over the side and lets a little tear come from under his cowl. Now, she was a go-go dancer in the show. I was supposed to say, what a way to go. Mm -mm. I said, he got in trouble with this. I said, what a way to go, go. <laughs> the director Nobody understood. They said, what the hell's that guy doing? What is he doing? What did he say? I had to fight for weeks to do it my way. But then they realized this kid is doing something that's maybe going to work. Mm. How about the back there with the my old pony shoe? I don't even think about it. <laughs> Honestly, guys. I mean, they do their thing and we did ours. Now, if they want the dark night, I'm the bright night. But it, the thing is, they're all talented. And the production has been incredibly good. And the money spent, and the things available to produce those movies. And we just had a few costumes, some wonderful actors slap the makeup on and think funny and go to it. It's that simple. It's no big deal. The very first corner of Jackson. So, so 45 years later, we're still talking about this Batman series. Uh, do you think that's a testament to what you guys did? Yes. <laughs> Something else, but it was a combined effort. Yeah, group effort, of, yeah. Of the writers. Always. Yeah. Well, sure, it's all collaborative. We had the, I mean, you know, there was talk earlier about how beautiful the, the new DVD is with, you know, the, the HD and all of that. We had probably the best industry cameraman, the best mm. lighter. We really had, we had 80 men on our crew. I mean, our show was, was at the time like so extravagant that as I understood yeah. at the time, 20th Century Fox was losing almost a quarter of a million dollars a week just to make it. It was so state of the art. So I, I, I think it's because everything worked, the talent 
worked hard, everybody worked hard, and we made a successful, wonderful show that there's no reason that 500 years from now people will still be seeing. I believe that. And there's another factor. We just got lucky. <laughs> Luck. Very important. You better be ready. Mm. What do we got, Gary? Yeah. Uh, got the gentleman right there. Bert, what was your favorite holy blank Batman? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of kids ask me that question. Holy underwear. No, I didn't say that. Holy, holy ravioli. Holy guacamole. See, they steal my life. Holy sudden incapacitations. <laughs> holy second amendment. Holy raspberries. We're in a jam. <laughs> holy false front. Yeah, you see. Holy shamoli. We are your admirers. Yes. yes. <laughs> And you have excellent taste, I will say well, that. Well, of course. Uh, the art, all of the stuff that I said was originally written by the writers. Unfortunately, not all of the writers got it. And Adam and I really had to go to work in some of the shows because we didn't want to lose that special chemistry. And, I, and I, I've got to share something with you, and I think that this might be something you don't know. And that is that besides being actors that did our job, Adam and I have a unique chemistry that when we work together. And in a lot of places, we, we would go um, and people just look at us and start laughing. And there's, we do both of us think a little differently. I, I would like to think it's, it's, it's more perceptive as opposed to more insane. But we do have a, a very good friendship and he brings out a wild side in me and together we kind of control what we did as best as we could do it, but in terms of the answering your question, I didn't have a single one, but where we did have ones that didn't work, I got a chance to, you know, to change it. Like there was a scene where I thought that Batman got killed uh, on the, in the movie. You remember that scene on the pier, you know what I mean? Because he was running around with that great line, you know, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> you know? And when I thought he was dead, I said, holy, I'm gonna attack Batman. But uh, we, we, had, we had great stuff, and I have loved, I want to say this, I've loved working with this man. He is one of my dearest friends. He has fought everybody to keep that character during the series the right, and the two of us have fought so hard. Whenever we would make appearances, even in costume, we would never take off our masks. We would never in any way degrade the character for kids. When we were in costume, we were those characters. And Adam has done the most fantastic job. And in my opinion, no disrespect to anybody, there is only one Batman, and that's Adam absurdities the show presented uh, were remarkable. 
I mean, there are some Batman versions, I suppose, that are somewhat grotesque. Uh, our Batman was maybe bizarre to an extent, and yet very human. You know, Batman is a little crazed, but he's vulnerable and he's real. He's a human being and he has all the elements that you possess and you and you and you, but he, because of his drive, his ambition to fight crime and avenge his parents' death, he took more than better care of himself. He trained himself mentally and physically to the point where he was great, but he was still vulnerable. That's the thing, and we all know this. Now, when we do it in a comedic way, you adults can laugh along with us, and the kids understand all that, and they keep watching until they grow up, and then they let their kids watch. have time for a couple more questions about Batman and the complete television series, which is available for pre-order right now <laughs> at your favorite retailer. Uh, uh, right there. Yeah, whenever a moment that uh, you look at some of the stories that you just could not take seriously before filming, uh, I just kind of wrap my head around. Was there ever a series or a script or a story that you really couldn't take seriously that you Maybe well, I never took any of them seriously. <laughs> uh, but you have to play it, as Julie mentioned, you have to play it seriously with the right comedic timing. And you have to know what's funny and you have to think funny. But never let the audience think that you think you're funny. Does that make any sense? Yes. Okay. I can give you an example if you want. There was an example uh, of an episode with Yvonne Craig who played Batgirl. Oh. And um, oh. we had brought that girl into the Batcave oh. to see uh, our crime fighting. Be careful for it. <laughs> Don't and say too much. Whitman. No, no, so careful, there was careful. a scene. This could scene. be, no, this could be dangerous. Get a grip on yourself. <laughs> uh, there, there was a scene where we were going to leave the Batcave in the Batmobile. Adam driving, as Adam is Batman driving, and me as Robin in the right side of the uh, 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 Yvonne Craig is Batgirl sitting between us. And uh, the idea was we were going to give her this back ass, and, you know, because we didn't want her to know where we had our back gate. So the uh, scene starts with one shot where we had given her the back ass, now she's knocked out, and, and, so to speak, and we're about to, to take off. And I have a little bit of dialogue, just a very little bit of dialogue between Adam and I, where I say, you, you know, Batman, Batgirl is really very beautiful. And he has a line as well, Robin, I'm you know, glad that you noticed. What's something like that? Well, my dear friend Adam is really good and rarely makes mistakes. So to go through 14 takes of making a mistake, I knew something was coming. I mean, you just, you just, now you get, what happens is that these directors, they all are on time schedules. And if you only have so much time to get, if you don't, I mean, he's going to get in trouble, production goes behind, money is lost, all this. It gets real serious real quick. So I knew he got to the point where he was now, had them where they were going to use this next take no matter what. Right? They're, they're going to do it. 
And he just, he's, that's his brilliance. He knows how far he can stretch the elastic. Anyway, so what happened was, here is the 15th take. And uh, I said, gosh, Batman, you know, Batgirl is really beautiful. And Adam has his line. Well, Rollin, I'm, I'm glad you noticed. It shows the oncoming thrust of manhood. <laughs> <laughs> now, I could hardly keep from laughing. I had tears coming down my mask, trying to keep a straight face. The producers, everybody, they were so anxious that they didn't notice it. They didn't really pay attention because they were in trouble. About a week later, when the censors came and we got called in the office and got chewed out, you know, for doing that. But you know something? That was the kind of way we dangerously made our show. Adam and I had a pact where we, we knew we could go so far and we'd stretch it a little bit farther for all those people that enjoyed Mini Windows. Holy. <laughs> all right, one more. No? Uh -huh. Right here. We talked about all the great people that were on the show with you. Was there anybody that was asked to be on the show that declined? You know? who Frank Sinatra wanted to be on the show, and you know what character he wanted to play? The Joker. Right. Yeah, everyone, big stars wanted to be on the show, and people from movies did not work in television, but their kids said, oh, you, I want to go on the set. I want to meet Batman. I want to meet him. And big stars would come down and, and meet these guys. Oh my goodness. And they begged to be on the show, to have them write special material for them. And a lot of times they ended up in that walk where, where the windows open up. What do you call that? The, the window walk. <laughs> it's not called that. It's called something else. Well, I could call it that if I want. Oh. <laughs> Is, well, call it the pop-out. Yeah. Describe how you did that. Describe how they well, built we the set. Well, we put the building on its side at an angle that was navigable by Bert and me, and then we'd get down and pretend like we were walking up the side of the building. And they would hold the back of your cape. Yeah, well, the cape, yes, for gravity. The, they yeah. put some fishing line on the cape uh, yeah, and uh, stretched uh, it yeah. out. And they put this house down on the, the guest star so that the, he would kind of pop up like this, you see. And he was always at some weird angle looking at you, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, these guys had to wait in that box yeah. for sometimes for an hour and a half. Oh, dear. And then they'd pop out. You never knew who it would be. Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, it, was it was fun. El programa sí contiene risas grabadas y fue realizado totalmente con bits reciclados. Ninguno sufrió daños durante la grabación. El podcast de Comicase se distribuye bajo una licencia Creative Commons Share Alike, atribución no comercial 3.0 de México. La revista Comicase es posible gracias al apoyo del Fondo Nacional para la Cultura y las Artes. El podcast de la revista Comicase es realizado sin cochinos fines de lucro. 
Los videos, audios, imágenes y música utilizados en su grabación son propiedad de sus respectivos dueños y sirven como apoyo para nuestras críticas y comentarios.